everyone, and welcome to Good and Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Coburn. This is a place where we will talk all things Jesus, how to love Him, be like Him, and walk in a way worthy of His name. I'm really excited to spend some time with you today. Hello, my friend. I am thankful you are joining me today. Since this episode is releasing on Easter Monday, I figured we would chat about Easter growing up. I'm not sure how many Easter's were exactly like this, but in my memory, we often celebrated with my mom's parents and grandparents coming into town. My papa Robert would bring plastic eggs filled with money, some with quarters and some with bills in them. My great granddad, who we called Papa, would bring us a goose egg because he found humor in things like that. One Christmas, he gave us pigtails. Literal pigtails. I have more to that story, but we will save it for another time. We usually found the eggs the Saturday before Easter and then would wake up to the Easter bunny, leaving surprises on Easter morning. After orange cinnamon rolls, we would wear our Easter's finest, which my new outfits typically involved a big hat. I loved hats growing up. We would go to church as a big family, and then my mom's side of the family would head home. After they left, we would all load up and drive down the road to my dad's parents, where my bama had a huge lunch waiting for us. Typically, it included chocolate pie. After lunch, she would send my uncles out to hide her Easter eggs, which were the prepackaged branches marshmallow eggs with the hard shells. I can still taste them when I think hard enough, and they were gross. But she always bought them, and being a kid, I would always eat them. And then I would wonder why. Same with circus peanuts. I digress. Easter has fun memories to think back on. We definitely talked about Christ and the resurrection. It was a big deal. There's another story about my mom trying to get us to make resurrection cookies and get excited about it as college students. But for the sake of time, I might have to share that one on Instagram. I would love to hear what your Easter's were like growing up. Look for the Easter post on Instagram and leave your stories in the comments. If you didn't know, God is in the business of stretching you. It's something he has been doing with me for years. I think I'm in a comfortable place and then he starts pushing me out of the comfort zone and stretching me in new ways. Recently, I told Chris I could feel a change coming. I thought I would be stepping down from something and taking a quiet break. Nope. The change was quite the opposite. He wanted me to step up into bigger leadership, a place that frankly, in my humanness, I know I couldn't do, but he has stretched and pulled and prodded me enough that I know that if he is in it, we, plural, will succeed. We have to learn to trust in big ways. If we are serious and say, here I am, Lord, send me, just as Isaiah did in chapter 6, verse 8, then we have to be ready for the Holy Spirit to guide us straight out of our comfort zones. It sounds scary to think about, but it's what God does. We read scripture and every single story tells us of a situation where the person was unqualified and God says, I don't care, I'll make you qualified. Moses, Gideon, Esther, David, Paul, Peter, Abraham, we could seriously name them all. It's what happens when we follow God and have a, I will do what you say attitude. Yes, it sounds scary, but I can tell you from experience When you say, I will trust you in this, 
and then jump, it's always worth it. There will be painful learning moments. You will have to deal with drama from people who don't understand. But when you look back, you will be able to see the beauty that was taking place through every moment. Not only that, but the version of you that steps out from the situation will have learned a few lessons, will be stronger, more alive, and awake to the leading love, grace, and mercy of Christ. Yes, so many people come to mind when I think about how God does this in our lives. But the one person that has stuck out to me a lot recently is Peter. Let me be perfectly honest for a second. Peter has always gotten under my skin. In my introverted, please don't bring attention to me way, he makes me cringe. The story found in Matthew 17, 1 through 8, where Peter, James, and John went on the mountain with Jesus and were met with Moses and Elijah, it kills me. Peter, instead of standing in awe and reverence, has to open his big mouth and offers to build shelters so that everyone can hang out together. If I'd been there, I would have wanted to die, to whisper angrily, Peter, shut up. Let's just observe and listen. We can learn so much in this situation. Every time I read that story, I wonder if Peter felt dumb after he spoke. I often think about several situations concerning Peter, and that's the thought that comes to mind. I read a story and I think, once again, Peter is talking when he should be listening. That thought probably has to do with the fact that growing up, my dad constantly quoted, it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Peter often, in the early days, sounded foolish. I wonder if Christ was good at concealing his eye rolls. I guess being perfect meant he could love Peter through his learning and not even need to roll his eyes. Oh, to have that ability and grace. Peter said and did dumb stuff while he was walking with Christ and learning, but he was also quick to understand and to get stuff. Let's look at Matthew 16, 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? They answered, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. Then he instructed his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Peter got it. He knew Christ was the Son of the living God. He knew he needed to follow and worship Him all of the days of his life. Maybe he was so quick to jump into saying stupid stuff because he was so excited to tell people what he had discovered. But do you understand what is going on in this verse? Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Savior of the world, is telling Peter, the guy I constantly think is annoying, that the church will be built through him. He will be the foundation of the church, and hell will not be able to overpower the work that he does. Y'all, this is huge. Jesus took a simple fisherman by trade, walked with him, 
discipled him and watched him grow to the point that he is going to build the church through Peter. The guy who cut off a soldier's ear when they came to get Jesus. The guy who denied knowing Christ, not once, but three times. The guy who is so very quick to act or speak without thinking first. Christ saw enough in him to say, you are willing and you have everything that I need to build my church through you. So don't you ever say that you are not qualified or good enough for God to use you. Our Savior, Jesus, sees so much potential in each of us that the second that we tell him we are ready and willing, he is going to send us on exciting missions for his kingdom. He's going to put the difficult people in our lives to love and disciple because he knows we can handle it. He is going to put someone in your life that sees more in you than you see in yourself and that's going to challenge you and make you do things that you never thought you could do. He may just send you across the world to places you never thought you would go or even knew existed. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Come now, who you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into this town or that town and spend a year and do business and make a profit. You do not know about tomorrow. What is your life? For you are a puff of smoke that appears for a short time and then vanishes. You ought to say instead, if the Lord is willing, then we will live and do this or that. We are here for a short time. And there are many, 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 many people who do not yet know the Lord. We really should get out of our own way and say, if the Lord is willing. We can add so much to that. If the Lord is willing to use me, I need to tell others about him. If the Lord is willing, I want to go out and serve my community. If the Lord is willing, I will join the worship team at church. What is that one thing that you feel like God is calling you to do, but you're too scared and or you're standing in your own way? All you have to do is approach the throne in prayer with open hands and say, Here I am, Lord, send me. Trust me when I say the ride is a wild one, and many times he takes you on adventures that you weren't expecting to go on. I mean, hello, I'm doing a podcast. I wonder if Peter, the day he was fishing and got called to be a fisher of men by Jesus, expected his life to take such a drastic turn. I wonder if he knew he would be known by thousands and that thousands and thousands of years later, he would still be known by name and that he would be credited as one of the main guys to build the New Testament church. I bet that the day Christ called him, he would have laughed in Christ's face if he sat down and told him just an inkling of the things that would happen in the world because of him. When you read through the Gospels, you see Peter is a man. A man who is excited and wants to be the best follower of Christ ever. But he stands in his own way. He doesn't say or do the right things. He probably tries so hard that it gets on people's nerves. I'm not sure I would want to spend too much time with him. But something happens that changes him completely. When you start reading through Acts, you don't recognize this man at all. In just a few short weeks, he changed completely. In Acts 2, 1 through 13, all the disciples were together in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit showed up and filled them all. 
when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they all started speaking in different languages. The outside people started hearing them speak and started making awful conclusions and accusations about them because when something like that happens, it's just hard to explain. If we were in their shoes, I'm sure we would jump to conclusions as well. Verse 14 of Acts 2 says, But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them. Peter was sitting there, filled with the greatest gift he had ever received, and he became changed from the inside out. He was filled with power and boldness. He knew he had the Holy Spirit inside of him and no longer had the timid, trying-to-get-everything-right fear that once held him back or made him say and do ridiculous things. In that moment, Peter preached an amazing sermon. And according to verse 41, about 3,000 people were added to the faith that day. As always, go read the story. Peter, while walking with Jesus, tried to get it. He worked hard. He partly understood. But he still did stupid things and said stupid things because he was still working through his humanness. But in that upper room, he was met with the Holy Spirit and he changed. He was unrecognizable from that moment on. He wasn't the Peter of the Gospels, but the Peter that is the rock and the one the church is built on. When we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with his spirit and we offer up our lives to the work of the Lord, we find change. We can see a task that needs to be done, and though we in ourselves aren't equipped and feel able to achieve it, the Holy Spirit works through us, and we get the job done. If God calls you to something, He will equip you to get the job done. If you know that you know that you are called, don't stress about the technicalities, because He always has you covered. He will give you what you need. 2 Peter 1, 3-11 says, I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these things, he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly affection, to brotherly affection unselfish love. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. But concerning the one who lacks such things, he is blind. That is to say, he is nearsighted, since he has forgotten about the cleansing of his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election. For by doing this, you will never stumble into sin. For thus an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. He gives us what we need in every moment, but it's our job to press into the Holy Spirit, spend time knowing and worshiping our Creator, and then to put in work to make ourselves the best versions of Christ followers we could be. 
Second Peter says we must add to our faith. We need to work on gaining knowledge, gaining self-control, godliness, excellence, all which can be achieved by the help of the Holy Spirit. We offer ourselves up to the work of the Lord. Then we ask for His guidance and wisdom from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then we do the work to get the job done and to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be. Always studying, always seeking, always worshiping. Seeking out mentors and those who can give sound advice. Asking for help and learning from those God placed around us. We cannot just sit idly by and say, Oh, God is going to equip me. I just need to sit right here. He could do that. But he wants us to put in the work of meeting with him and seeking wise counsel because we become better for it in the end. He's going to give us the grace for each day and the tools we need to get the job done. We just need to focus on him and seeking him and growing in him. We can do this. To close, I'm going to read Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 over you. Now may the God of peace, who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with every good thing to do his will, working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give me a review where you listen to podcasts. I also ask that you share this podcast with your friends and family. If you think they need to hear it, share it. It's as simple as hitting the share button and then sending it in a text. Or take a screenshot and share it on social media. I would greatly appreciate it. You can find me on social media at Good and Glory Podcast. Please give me a follow. Until next time. May the grace of Jesus be with you.